Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Jump on in with me. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we have another story about the cotton market. It's such a big story this week. We broke above a dollar for the first time in 10 years, and we've climbed way above a dollar. We'll check in again with O.A. Cleveland to get his analysis on just how high this cotton market may go. And we have a story on the Bradley Three Ranch. They're near Memphis in Childress County. James and Mary Lou Henderson of the Bradley Three were the recipients of the Certified Angus Beef Sustainability Award recently. We'll have more on them coming up in just a bit. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With a cotton crop that has been running a bit behind in the Texas Panhandle, avoiding an early freeze would be nice. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. October is expected to be relatively warmer and relatively drier than normal as a La Nina weather pattern approaches Texas this fall. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that forecast on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas gets its first cool down, and the 2021 cotton harvest is now over. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cotton market topped $1 this week for the first time in 10 years, and it continues to climb higher. So just how high will it go? Cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland says he wouldn't be surprised if the market hits $1.10. Well, Gary, I really do feel very positive that this market goes higher. I can see the market going well above a dollar and ten cents by the time we factor in the lack of search stocks and the mill buying that's necessary. But this on-call mill buying that is necessary, uh, that can just take the market, uh, regardless of what the cash demand is, and that can take the market another five, ten, fifteen cents higher. Cleveland says strong demand is the biggest factor that's moving prices past one dollar. The number of hogs and pigs raised in Texas is growing. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 1,008,000 hogs and pigs in Texas September 1st. That is up 2% from the same time last year. There are 140,000 breeding hogs in Texas. That's about the same as September of 2020. The lion's share of the hogs and pigs in Texas, about 87%, are market hogs. At 940,000 head, the number of market hogs in Texas has grown 2% over last year. From June to August, Texas pork raisers saw an average of 11.1 pigs per litter. That's up about 5% from last year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
A Texas ranch is recognized for sustainability. The Bradley 3 Ranch of Memphis, Texas has earned the Certified Angus Beef Sustainability Award for 2021. The Bradley 3 is owned by James and Mary Lou Henderson. They took over the ranch from Mary Lou's mother in the early 2000s and mapped out a 20-year plan that included building tanks for water retention, getting rid of brush, and bringing back the grass. James says it hasn't been easy, but they've gotten the ranch through some tough times over the past 20 years, and they're now enjoying the blessings that 2021 has brought. I'm not sure there is a normal in Texas, but the drought of 2010, 11, 12, and on into 13, 14, and 15 for us, still pretty fresh on our minds, and it's nice to have a turn that's, that's not bad. And with all the rain this year, Henderson says he feels good heading into the fall with plenty of forage. We will stockpile forage, standing forage, and graze cows on that during the wintertime. And we've got lots of forage, standing forage out there to put cows on this winter. The cows, again, are just, you'd think they were on full feed. They, uh, the cows really look good. James Henderson of the Bradley 3 Ranch in Memphis, winner of the Certified Angus Beef Sustainability Award. The cotton crop is running behind schedule in the Texas Panhandle this year, and James Hunt tells us the goal right now is to avoid an early freeze. With our area cotton running behind due to early season weather issues, there's been some talk that the crop would benefit if our first freeze of the season arrives later than normal. So what are the prospects of that actually happening? Mike Gittinger of the National Weather Service office in Amarillo began his analysis by reviewing local weather data for the past three decades. If you look back at the 30 years, 1991 to 2020, the average first freeze was around October 22nd. And in that 30 years, the earliest in the last 30 years was October 7th. And Gittinger says over the past 30 years, the latest date for Amarillo's first freeze was November 12th. So again, an average date for a first freeze of October 22nd. Now, trying to forecast temperatures more than two weeks ahead is pretty tricky. But Gittinger says we at least appear to be on track for avoiding an early first freeze. There's nothing that really looks like you're going to get something in the first half of October. So I would lean toward the average or, or after if I were to base it on combination of climatology and just looking at the pattern. Hopefully everything times out well for our farmers. And if you're wondering about how cold our winter might be, with what appears to be a new La Nina developing, Gittinger says conditions seem favorable for warmer than average temperatures. That doesn't mean we're not going to get an Arctic blast somewhere in there. That just means when you average out the three months, most likely you average out to above normal. But, uh, you know, last year's a good lesson on that. January and December, we were above normal. Most of the country was above normal significantly in those two months, and then February happens. <laughs> We'd love to avoid another winter storm, Yuri, but yes, the potential for something like it is there. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The month of October is bringing cooler temperatures to Texas as we move into the first full month of fall. Tom Nicoletti has more. We go to National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth to give us an update on the latest weather. And Tom, September for the most part in Texas was a dry month. It definitely was. Texas was under a 
really dry conditions for pretty much all of September. Most of the Lone Star State saw rainfall totals that were only about a quarter to, to maybe 50 percent of what we normally see during the month of September. The only exception to that was across the upper Texas coast where Hurricane Nicholas came in, came on shore during the middle of the month of September and dumped anywhere from six to 10 inches across areas to the south and east of the Houston area. But for the most part, the state of Texas was very dry during the month of September. Yes, but uh, latter part of uh, the month and uh, leading into the first few days of October, there was some rainfall that was uh, much needed in north and central Texas. There was a wet spell that came across the state during the last part of September here in the early part of October. Unfortunately, that's not going to last. It looks like the month of October, by and large, is going to see a return to relatively dry conditions and relatively warm conditions across the state, which is what we tend to see during the La Nina pattern that we tend to get in the fall. All right, Tom, warmer temperatures, but certainly cooler than September's. Yeah, definitely. Once we get into the month of October, we start to see daytime highs start to drop out of the 90s across most of the state and into the 70s and 80s towards the middle to the latter part of the month, which is going to be a nice change. I mean, by Halloween, hopefully we're going to start to see high temperatures in the even in the 60s and 70s across parts of the state, which will be a, a welcome relief from the warm conditions that we've seen the last several months. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is all wrapped up in extreme South Texas. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. The valley has had its first cool down. A weak front brought morning lows back into the 60s while cutting our daytime highs back into the upper 80s. Well, let's hope that fronts will start making it to extreme South Texas on a more regular basis. The extreme heat had well, brought fruit growth to basically a halt. Now it hope to see the fruit growing again with the cooler temperatures. The harvest is going to be a short one for citrus, and, well, we've, of course, got onion planting now staring us in the face. It's just weeks away. Everyone's looking forward to getting those onion seeds in the ground. The water supply at both Amistad and Falcon Reservoirs continue to shrink the losses, uh, irrigation, and evaporation. Amistad, uh, 52.5% full. Falcon is only 20.8% full. Now, the elevation should be adequate for now, but let's hope rains are just around the corner. The 2021 cotton harvest is now over. The valley planted a little over 181,000 acres of cotton. We had 31,000 that was either destroyed or abandoned, so we well harvested about 150,000. Well, the modules and the round bales are certainly stacking up on the valley gin yards. Growers had a scare, though, from Hurricane Nicholas. It passed east of the valley about 150 miles and brought some heavy rain to the right of the coast, but very little inland. Well, the tropics remain very active, 17 names storms so far only one has made it to the texas coast now pastures and cattle condition remain very good as we head into the fall everything basically is looking real good this is jim hearn in the rio grande valley reporting for texas ag today a statewide program is helping texas youth learn how to hunt safely i'm jessica dolmel and i'll have details coming up on texas ag today and every beef cattle herd should have a vaccination plan. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. 
I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Vaccinations are cheap compared to losing cattle to diseases. Dr. Bob Judd says every beef cattle herd in Texas should have a vaccination plan designed by your veterinarian. A breeding herd vaccination plan is a critical component of a herd health plan and must be based on disease risk, biosecurity, and management availability. There are multiple options for vaccination, and Dr. Rosalind Biggs from Oklahoma State Extension indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that the status of your herd and timing of vaccination will determine whether using killed or modified live vaccinations are the best. It is important to consider if a vaccination booster will be required for the herd and the logistics of giving this booster, plus the cost of the vaccine. Most beef herds are vaccinated for infectious bovine rhinotracheitis, or IBR, parainfluenza, syncytial virus, bovine virus diarrhea, or BVD, blackleg leptospirosis, and possible other diseases. And each different class of breeding animals may require different vaccinations, as it depends if the cattle have been vaccinated in the past, their age, and pregnancy status, as not all vaccines are approved for pregnant cattle. And don't forget the bulls, as they also require vaccinations. Vaccinations for the breeding cow herd should focus on diseases causing abortion and respiratory disease. And these animals should be vaccinated at least 30 days prior to the calving and breeding season, so the stress of running them through a chute does not negatively affect calving or rebreeding. At least annual vaccinations should be performed, and many producers with spring calving and breeding beef herds perform these procedures in the late fall in Texas when the cattle are checked for pregnancy. Now is the time of year to check with your bovine veterinarian to schedule your fall cattle herd work. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A statewide program is helping Texas youth learn how to hunt safely. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. There are still plenty of opportunities for Texas youth to experience their first hunt with the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Each year, TYHP takes dozens of youth and a parent or guardian on guided hunts across Texas. Chris Mitchell, TYHP director, said the program is designed to provide youth with safe, educational outdoor experiences. The goal is to grow the next generation of hunters. We've seen declining numbers of people buying hunting and fishing licenses, and we need those numbers to increase or at least not decline. There are currently 128 hunts posted on the TYHP website, and more hunts are being added every day. There are hunts for white-tailed deer, wild pigs, dove, and waterfowl. Fishing is incorporated into many of the hunts. To apply for one of the hunts, youth simply need to create a free account on tyhp.org. 
Mitchell says youth who have little to no hunting experience are given priority in the hunt selection process. They may have hunted with someone in their family, which is how most people are introduced to hunting, but some people don't have that. So that's where we come in. We give priority to those hunters that have never hunted before or at least have never hunted with us. So they get selected before those hunters that have hunted with us before. But that doesn't mean that they can't go on multiple hunts. It just means that the priority goes to new hunters. Mitchell encourages youth to apply for hunts through the program, regardless of the deadlines, as people do cancel and spots will open up. Again, you can apply at tyhp.org. That is tyhp.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market closed mixed on Friday, while the cotton market finally pulled back a bit, and we saw a big rally in the wheat market. We'll update all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market just couldn't seem to shrug off the bearishness that weighed on it all week long. We ended up closing lower on Friday once again. October live cattle down 17 cents to finish the week at 120.40. December down 52, 125.20. February down 62 cents at 130.02. The feeder market was mixed. The nearby October up 20 cents, 152.75. November feeder cattle unchanged 152.90, January down 32 cents at 153.85. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up last week mostly steady. 124 seemed to sell most of our cattle in the Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico region. Texas cattle feeders reporting 3,839 heads sold. 123 to 124 was the price. Boxed beef on Friday was lower. Choice down 228 at 292.70. Select down 463 at 264.69. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. There's the glass of iced tea. And here's the livestock market operator report from Carl Herman, Caldwell Livestock. Speak with him on Tuesday night. They sell them on Wednesday. Carl, how was that Wednesday sale? It was fine. It was good. We had over 800 head for 111 consigners and 43 buyers on a steady calf market and uh, cow market also. Had around 100 cows and bulls. Slaughter cows 31 to 74. Slaughter bulls 65 to 88. Stocker cows 725 to 1050. And the pairs 1150 to 1250. On the steers, two to three weights 160 to 187. Three to four weights 151 to 205. Four to five weight steers 142 to 192. Five to six weight steers brought 131 to 157. Six to seven weights, 123 to 142, and the seven to eight weight steers brought 115 to 127. On the heifer side, two to three weights, 135 to 150. 
Three to four white heifers, 130 to 160. Four to five whites, 126 to 153. Five to six whites, 123 to 162. Six to seven white heifers, 120 to 165. And the seven to eight whites, 112 to 123. Overall, it was a good day and, and uh, look forward to next week. Tell everybody how to contact you. Okay, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're getting some surrounding area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. Any rain in your area? You know, we had two inches Tuesday night. Well, early Wednesday morning, I guess. Pretty general. A lot of places that I saw either had two and a half or one and a half. We needed rain, and we look forward to some more tomorrow. Good deal. Anybody put out any ryegrass seed yet? Yes, sir. There's a lot of folks that already have. They went ahead and dry planted and, and uh, just waiting on a, on a rain to kind of get it kicked off. We appreciate it, and we will talk with you Tuesday night. Yes, sir. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, thanks for coming down the lane and having a glass of iced tea. You've been listening to Carl Herman and I on Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed on Friday. October was up 70 cents, 92.30. December hogs down 22.85.17. A mixed close in the Class 3 milk market. October milk up 2, 18.13, 100 weight. November milk down 7 at 18.19. The cotton markets all pull back on Friday. That really wasn't unexpected. After the big rally we had, we jumped over nine cents for the week, well above a dollar. First time we've seen a dollar cotton in 10 years. So the market took a bit of a breather on Friday. Some profit taking and hedging pressure coming into the market. December cotton down 127 points. It closed at 104.53. March cotton down 224 to close at 101. 44. The corn market closed higher. December corn up four and three quarters, 541 and a half. And we saw a nice rally in the wheat market again on Friday. That's a result of USDA's grain stocks report released on Thursday. They cut wheat stocks and wheat production numbers, and that helped to boost prices. We ended up over 20 cents higher on the July Kansas City contract. It was up 20 and a half to end the week at 7.49 and a half. July Chicago wheat up 19 and three quarters to close the week at 7.41 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas down 28 cents, 5.58. November crude oil up 59 at 75.62 a barrel. The financial markets were higher on Friday. The Dow up 493 points, 34,337. The Nasdaq up 109, 14,558. And the S&P 500 up 48 points, 4,356. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time right here as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on planet Earth, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.